Hey, welcome to the Agency Blueprint, the podcast for agency owners looking to explore strategies for scaling a truly profitable agency, reducing stress, and getting your personal life back. I'm your host, Robert Patton, business coach and contract CFO to agencies. To download a free copy of my international best-selling book, The Agency Blueprint, go to creativeagencysuccess.com. Many agencies, including probably yours, started with a lot of freelancers, what is typically referred to as outsourcing. There's a lot of things that seem beneficial about this idea of working with freelancers on an ongoing basis because it allows you to level up, scale up, scale down as needed. It allows you to not have to be as involved in client work when you're first starting out, when you don't have the financial resources that you need. What does tend to happen is a lot of agencies, as they start to grow, start to feel the growing pains of having a lot of freelancers on the team where everyone's doing things differently, where everyone's saving things on their own systems, where you're having issues with um, intellectual property and who has rights to the creative and whether that's an issue for your client and what your contractual obligations are to your client as well. There's a legal minefield around all of this and I wanted to talk to you today about freelancing While I'm not saying it's something that you should avoid, it's something that you should go into with your eyes wide open. And I also wanted to talk to you about offshoring as well. There are a lot of people think that they are very similar. And in my opinion, they are actually quite starkly different in a couple very distinct ways that can make things um, pretty useful for you. And they both have a place in your agency. So let's start with freelancing. Um, There's this big allure to it, you know. Um, You have a lot of work going on on your plate and you're able to hire a freelancer on a part-time basis or specifically for a project. There's issues around this so so many ways legally, especially in more liberal states in the U.S. You have laws around whether someone is a bona fide independent contractor or whether they need to be an employee. And in many instances, your agency, especially in states like California, there's very stringent laws around why someone can be. And if you're a web design agency and you have a web designer on your team, that person in California no longer can be a freelancer. I want to preface this that that I'm not providing you with legal advice, just talking from experience of what I've seen and what I've heard and what I have experienced with clients as well and what their counsel has advised to them. So you you do have to understand that while there is a lot of allure to the mitigation of risk from a financial standpoint, um, in the upfront, there is a potential financial risk uh, later if you are hiring freelancers or at least not managing them correctly. So make sure if you are going to be hiring freelancers that you are checking with employment lawyers to make sure that you are covering your bases there. Then when it comes to intellectual property, you really want to be able to uh, have an understanding of exactly who owns what intellectual property and what's actually going on there to make sure that you are the one that actually has the rights to that creative. And especially being that you are selling that creative to your client. And in many instances, it's a work for hire type arrangement for your agency as well. So you want to make sure that that work for hire arrangement does pass along to your freelancer and that there are some requirements in making sure that things are happening on deadline. The primary thing that 
I think is really pivotal in the years that I've worked with freelancers myself, working internally at agencies and also working with freelancers through uh, vis-a-vis my clients. The thing that you really want to make sure that you're doing is that there's a very clear expectation, and this is the same for any employee, any human being really, that you have a very clear expectation as to what is going to be needed for this engagement or for this arrangement. You want to make sure that you have them understand that they ideally should be working within the construct of how you do things at your agency as well. So just that that it makes things a ton easier for you to be able to manage the day-to-day of your agency and that things are are happening correctly. One of the things you want to be very careful with as well um, is that freelancers in a lot of instances have the goal to want to be a business owner themselves. So I see so very frequently where agencies are thinking, you know, I'm going to hire someone as a freelancer so that I don't have the risk of hiring someone as an employee. So I'm going to first hire them as an independent contractor, as a freelancer, and then I'll bring them on as an employee. The difference between them, and there's a couple of things that I think that's really important to note, is that typically speaking, the really talented people that you're looking for that would be interested in being a freelancer in the interim and then becoming an employee likely are employees already, and that you do need to be actually searching and hunting for someone that does want a full-time gig because those are typically the ones that are more talented. What you also need to recognize too is that the people that are really talented that are working as freelancers, they're doing that because they wanted to have freedom the same way that you did. And the way that their business is functioning is a lot of the same way that yours is. And if you're freelancing out your primary creative work or your primary service, you do have some risk in them eventually wanting to work directly with clients. And I've even seen that happen quite a number of times. So you want to make sure that there's either higher way clauses within your agreements with your uh, clients so that if they were to hire one of your freelancers or one of your employees, that there's compensation to you. Um, I mean, I know that you have the conversation about non-competes, but realistically speaking, in the vast majority of states now, it's very difficult to enforce that. So you want to make sure that you have your your legal just all the way around. You're having things truly mitigated. On the upside of freelancers, there is that 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 aspect to it where we were talking about how it's limited risk to you. You have a defined amount of scope. You have a specific amount of cost. It allows you to be able to manage that cost for your your client work very easily. You can hire a freelancer specifically for that project. And as that project comes to a wrap, you can either get them another project or just bring it to a close. And you don't have that financial risk on an ongoing basis. You don't have health insurance requirements. You don't have the HR requirements. You don't have all of these different pieces that you have with an employee. And it's it's really nice. It, it, it feels sort of freeing how you don't have to have that that risk ongoing. I mean, this freelancers, there's so many out there now, and I mean, you can find them globally as well, um, where you can have creative work done, you can have project management, um, even to some of your internal marketing things that you don't have time for to allow for your business to continue to grow. And for a lot of instances, like I mentioned, it, it just makes financial sense to not have to have that full-time team member because you don't have enough work for them. You do want to make sure that you think about it in the appropriate fashion so that you have the amount of team members that you need for that growth because freelancers, in a lot of instances over time, can become more expensive. 
especially when you're starting to get to the point where you do need that full-time labor, you will end up paying more typically, at least for the talented freelancers, you're going to pay more for the freelancer than you would for a full-time team member. So there is that cutoff that you really want to think about in that calculus of when it makes financial sense for you or not. The thing that um, I want to start making that distinction between um, freelancers or outsourcing and offshoring or nearshoring is having someone outside of the country that is a full-time team member for you. So the, the thing that is very different and starkly different between them is that they are a full-time team member. They're going to operate within your systems. You're going to onboard them like you would a full-time employee. But realistically speaking, they are so much cheaper that they would cost what a freelancer would have cost for maybe one project. I mean, I've seen prices for full-time junior designer for a $1,500 to $1,600 a month and really talented, truly talented freelancers. I mean, you can outsource um, employees and that that includes the cost of their employment management, their health insurance, all of that stuff that uh, the cost of overseas. I think that the recent years have really shown us that having people not nearby us within a 10 mile radius around our offices is a very viable solution to being able to manage a workforce. Um, that working remotely is possible. That working remotely in a lot of instances is more efficient and effective. And the same thing is true when you're thinking about an offshore team. Um, yeah, they may be on a, on a different time zone and you can require them to work on the time zone that you're in. And they work the same way that you would have someone local. You have the same amount of talent that you would have uh, locally as well. Typically speaking, the only thing that I do tend to reserve for people that are onshore and, um, and it's primarily just for um, the language barrier and making sure that you have someone that is the direct client representative or the person that has that primary relationship, that that person be closer to um, the cultural influences of the U.S. if you're U.S.-based or um, Canada if you're Canada-based or U.K. if you're U.K.-based, making sure that they understand the, the cultural implications of what's going on, make sure that they understand what the client really wants and being able to speak in the colloquialisms of the client as well. It just allows for better relationships and having that understanding of each other. And I mean, any anytime you have a relationship with someone that you have that commonality, it allows for the relationship to be better. And I just want you to think about that when it comes to the offshoring people. But the piece that's so just incredibly beneficial and so many agencies I've seen really, truly benefit from offshoring or nearshoring is that they're hiring many full-time people for the cost of what they would have been able to hire maybe one or even just hiring two freelancers, and they would have multiple full-time people working 40-hour weeks where they're able to actually staff up faster, they're able to train better, they're able to have more team members on staff on a regular basis that allows for them to be able to be out of the day-to-day operations. It allows for them to be more profitable. It allows for them to have everything still managed within their systems, and it allows for them to be be truly effective and efficient and just makes just a, a huge impact to the agency. I was um, talking with a, another agency quite a long time ago, and um, they were having this, this issue where they were realizing, and I was explaining to them this exact topic, and they were starting to come to that recognition themselves that they were working solely with freelancers, and it was really starting to become a problem for them because they were losing clients hand over fist because one freelancer versus another was doing things completely differently, 
and generating different results because of it. And naturally, that's just what tends to happen. And so what they were realizing is that they needed to hire employees. And the advice that I gave them is that they should go and hire people near shore. Um, so people that were across a border, a country border, but on the same landmass or at least in the same time zone so that they are able to work easier with, with your team. And so they started doing that and saw just a massive shift in the amount of client retention that they had, the results that they were able to do, the amount of work that they were having to do as owners of the agency as well, because their team was operating within their SOPs, within their process, and being able to do things better. So I just want you to understand the differences between the two and how it can really have an impact to your agency and the importance of being able to think about making sure that you have the right team, especially when you're looking to grow. It's really important that you have more team members than you really have the work at that time so that you can bring people on. And obviously, you don't want to do it so far reaching that it's problematic, but you want to have it enough that you're able to bring people on and you're not going to have to slow down. Because what I do see happen very frequently is that people rush to hire because they just got a new signed contract. And it really becomes an issue for them because they didn't have the team members available to be able to do the work. So they make a rush hire. And they really struggle in that, that delivery of their client. And as you all know, it takes a lifetime to build a reputation and it can be ruined in an evening. So spend the time, understand exactly what the financial implications are of both and figure out what's right for your agency. Thank you for joining us today on the Agency Blueprint Podcast. To find out more, go to agencyblueprintpodcast.com. For links mentioned in this episode, please check out the show notes. As always, go to creativeagencysuccess.com to jumpstart your agency today.